Good evening and welcome you to another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdaw, C70. It's Bat at C70 on Twitter. Usually with me is Alan Medlock from Red Dirt Redbird, a Medlock one on Twitter. But Alan is still doing the, the coaching baseball thing. Uh, so for those that are interested, the Nathan Hill Rangers um, went 0-2 this week. Had a couple games pushed around with the weather. I know that they were supposed to be playing. This is Saturday night as we're reporting this. They were supposed to be playing today in the Tulsa Driller Stadium. They are doing that tomorrow, but uh, Coach Allen says they are making good progress and expects a win pretty soon. Um, no word on his bullpen management yet, though we're going to have to really get into that. Um, but until then, until Allen can join us back, uh, we've got Ben Godar joining us tonight from Cardinals Off Day. You'll find him at Ben Godar on Twitter. Uh, ben, how are you? I'm doing good, but I have to admit, I'm kind of jealous of uh, Alan right now out there playing baseball. I'm looking out the window right now. We've got uh, patchy snow still on the ground up here. So we are uh, we are not in uh, baseball playing weather yet up in my neck of the woods. Well, the reason that they got pushed away is because they had snow this week, too. Uh, <laughs> in fact, we had about three inches come down yesterday that went away immediately when it uh, stopped. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit weird, but you're right. It's... Uh, it's a little bit jealous that he can be out at the baseball field and we can not, but at least now with a CBA, we can actually know when we can see baseball CBA signs this week. I know you and Ben uh, Humphreys talked about all lot of this stuff um, on your podcast uh, Cardinals off day that came out today. I've only had a chance to listen to a little bit of it. And I know y'all spent less time focusing on the actual CBA. So I'll look a little bit at that. Um, without maybe the five-minute hate. Um, <laughs> um, just in general, are there things you like about it or the things you don't like about it, the changes that you see, what, what did, uh, on the actual paper stuff, what stood out to you? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the, the tough thing is the, the owner lockout was just such a, you know, awful experience, I think, for all of us to go through. Um, you know, for the last several months, uh, mm -hmm. not knowing if, you know, if we would have, have a season or when it would start. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of frustration there. And, and of course, it's it's funny then you we went through all this and, and you know, now the season's going to start like seven days later than it was going to. So, mm -hmm. you know, in the end, it's going to kind of not in terms of when the season starts, the impact's not going to be that big. But um, and, you know, as far as the, the deal itself, um, and, and I, I mean, I'm kind of a glutton for punishment, so I did follow a lot of the blow by blow and the, you know, kind of negotiations and everything. And I mean, I'm, a, you know, I, I, I'm more on the player's side just in general. And some of that's just maybe philosophically, I'm more of a more of a labor guy. But I also just think, uh, you know, when you know the history of baseball from the, you know, reserve clause on down, you know, it's really one of you know, ownership imposing their will in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, to that end, I, I guess, uh, to the extent that, you know, you're rooting for one side or the other, I feel like, um, you know, revenues have, uh, and, and club values, I should say, you know, have grown exponentially over the last 20 years. And player salaries, you know, you know, grew at a pretty slow rate, and then actually, you know, flattened and even, you know, by a, a lot of measures went down. So, you know, I felt like you wanted to see the players maybe claw back some, um, you know, some some revenue from that. I also think that, you know, more revenue going to players um, leads to, you know, better competition. And that's my biggest concern with the structure of baseball is I think, um, you know, over the last 20 years or so, it's been all about um, kind of propping up these small and mid-market teams that don't want to spend mm. and putting the brakes on clubs that, you know, that would 
you know, that would spend and, and be competitive. And, um, and I just don't think that's, I don't think that's good for the, you know, for the sport overall to just continue to subsidize the, the pirates of the world. Um, and you know, the way that they do business, uh, there's only 30 major league clubs. Um, and there's, uh, unfortunately there's plenty of billionaires in this country. So, you know, I feel like if, if somebody's an owner of a major league team and they're crying poor, uh, you know, they ought to sell the team to somebody who, uh, you know, wants to spend and wants to, wants to be competitive. But again, that's all kind of getting into, you know, philosophical stuff that's outside the scope of this, you know, specific labor negotiation. So, you know, it seems like the, you know, the players, um, you know, uh, got some things in their favor. Obviously the owners got some things they wanted, um, you know, so it kind of, it is what it is. And um, uh, at least we're going to have a, have a season here. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the key part. I was a little bit, a little bit surprised that the players, I don't know, you know, like you said, as you go, but you watched it and you follow it constant on a regular basis. It kept feeling like the players were willing to sacrifice a little bit more than I would thought they would have been, um, which is probably why we have a season now. I mean, let's, let's be fair. Yeah. Um, but it's still, you're right. After, after all is said and done, how much, you know, was it worth all this, all this fuss? Oh, we'll find out. Uh, we have expanded playoffs now, um, which I'm still not sure will do what they think it will do. Um, I, I don't, I don't know, um, but I am a grumpy old man, as I have said many a time before. So, um, and uh, and we have a draft lottery. Um, we have other things that maybe in theory add competition, but. I'm just, I mean, I guess we'll wait and see and maybe in five years revisit it. But right now, I, I don't know that it's going to do what they think it's going to do. Well, I don't, I mean, in terms of what they think it's going to do, I think they, you know, they think it's going to make more money. Well, and I, yeah, I don't that, know that, that there's part. anything, uh, you know, to it really beyond that. Um, and no, I'm with you. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, if, if I had a choice, I would choose not to expand the playoffs. I think every expansion of the playoffs tends to water down the 162 game season, which is something I love about baseball. And, you know, I think it making each of those games meaningful is really significant. And the, you know, the more playoffs, you know, more teams that are in the playoffs, the less those games matter. And also to my point a moment ago, it, it, it also, it, again, it just sort of continues to cater to those teams that don't want to spend, um, yeah. you know, because, uh, if you, uh, you know, now that 12 teams are in the playoffs, you know, every team you add to the playoffs, there's just less incentive to, you know, really go out there and, uh, you know, try to make your team the, the best that it possibly can. So, um, so no, I'm not a fan of that. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of the designated hitter. I never, mm -hmm. you know, I never have been. Um, and, and, you know, we can certainly talk about that, but one thing, and, and I said this on, on our show uh, when we recorded last night, I mean, <laughs> like you, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an old man and I kind of grumpy about these things, but I also would say in the last two years, you know, between losing most of a season to a pandemic and potentially, you know, it looking like this season was maybe touch and go there for a while. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not as, I'm not as fiery about some of these things as they once mm -hmm. were, you know, like, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> I think, I think in my twenties, I would have a, you know, 10,000 word screed about the evils of the DH that I'd be, you know, pounding out <laughs> on the keyboard right now but you know we've just we, we've seen enough of no baseball at all that uh, you know for the the playoffs to be different than i'd like for the designated hitter rule to be different than i'd like it's like eh, it's not the way i would like it to be but it, it's fine it's it's I, there's still baseball and i'll i'll live with it so it's not it's not enough of these changes to make it unrecognizable for you i guess that's what we're getting at no, I don't think so. And I, yeah, exactly. And that's always the thing that it's easy to jump to, or, you know, this isn't the game anymore and I'm never going to watch or things like that. And, and, you know, I'm sure in my day, I've, I've said things like that at one time or another, but I mean, what am I going to do? Not watch baseball. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> this is fair. This is fair. I, I do wonder if this is setting us up for, you know, some, some more realignment, some, less divisions of AL and NL and that may not be yeah. a big issue either you know maybe that's yeah. just the way it, it is I mean there's still the game on the field but um, yeah well have you seen the um there is a change coming next year in the scheduling have you seen that I, I did that, see that yeah yeah so it's you know it's going to go to a, a a balanced schedule throughout you know so every, every National League team is going to play 
you know, every national league team. Anyway, it's, it's more balanced. You're going to, they're going to play every single team in the American league um, every year. So, yeah. You know, every team will play every team. Um, it's a lot more like an NBA schedule, basically. So, you know, you play everybody, you, you play the other conference or, you know, in this case, the other league a little bit less, but um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be the, the more heavily kind of regional division focused schedule that it's been for the last uh, several years. Yeah. And I mean, I get the, I get the highlights of that, of being able to see teams that we haven't seen very regularly, right. like, you know, the angels and things of that nature. But I've always liked the idea that, you know, if you win the national league central, you won the national league central because you played these teams, yeah. you're facing, you're, right. you know, you're building that rivalries if you, if nothing else. And, and honestly, yeah. you know, you're and it, off I, cup games. That's, that's a, that's a dangerous thing too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's one of those, I don't know. Uh, I, I agree with you at the same time. I understand especially as you're adding more wild card teams, it does become less fair if, if you're heavily, you know, I mean, the teams that are in a weak division, um, you know, suddenly are, are, you know, kind of have an advantage there. So, you know, that makes sense. And, yeah. and I, I understand just from the kind of marketing thing, the idea of, you know, seeing, seeing every team in town every year, you know, so mm-hmm. when you have a, a Shohei Otani or you have just some amazing kind of generational talent, um, you know, as it has been, you know, you could have to wait three years or, or more, um, you know, for that player and that team to come to your town. So, uh, you know, again, it's like, is it the way I would do it? No, but I understand why they're doing it. And, you know, <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll be fine with it. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's one of those things I'm sure that we'll get adjusted to. And, you know, as old people will complain about how it used to be better back then. I mean, that's what Alex and I did all last week on the show. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're going to still do that. But we're, you're right. We're going to still watch the game. And it's still going to be interesting uh, and, and intriguing um, to watch. That, you know, and that said, that the floodgates, well, the floodgates opened. I don't know that the flood came through. We've had a lot of activity, though, in the last day or so. And I may have missed some of it. I know today was getting a little bit busy um cardinals of course first out of the gate as we expected um yeah. <laughs> you know making making major moves um right. just immediately <laughs> um what do you i mean i, I got to, to listen to like i said i got part of the way through i think where i stopped you, know, you and ben were talking about drew verhagen um which uh you have a very unique way of pronouncing um but uh, what, you, what do you, you mean you mean drew verhagen <laughs> Yes, yes. The, uh, I, the uh, I just, I'm just trying to honor his Dutch heritage with absolutely. the closest pronunciation that I can muster. So. Absolutely, I mean, but I am an amateur, so I could, I could, you know, it could be off. Right. I mean, once Derek Gould and them get down there and really get a chance to talk to him, you'll you'll know what kind of inflection to use. Oh yeah, oh yeah. When Danny Mac starts bringing us spring training games, I'm sure we'll hear it the right way, and I'll I will follow his lead at that point. That's it's, that's actually I won't. I'll keep saying it the way I'm saying it because I think it's fun. So. <laughs> Oh, so, I mean, it does, it's, I mean, you're right. It's a Cardinal move. It's a five and a half million dollar contract spread over two years for a guy that is coming back from spending a couple years in Japan, a guy that is in theory in the starter competition is really just there for like some depth. Um, I was a little bit, honestly, a little bit surprised. He was a guy that didn't have options. Otherwise I think it'd been absolutely ideal Cardinal move. Oh yeah, yeah, and I hadn't seen, I hadn't necessarily seen that, but I, I could see, you know, if uh, I, I think he's a guy, and, and and for that amount of money too, you know, that's usually a guy that they expect is going to stay on the big league club. But uh, yeah, I, I do think they see him in that sort of swingman role. Um, so uh, you know, I, I think he certainly will have the opportunity to start and, and be kind of in the mix for starts throughout the season. Um, but, you know, wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, pitched out of the bullpen for a significant part of the year as well. So um, one thing, you know, I know we've talked about is the idea that, I, you know, I think the Cardinals are moving towards this, especially now perhaps with Schilt not in the managerial role. And you see it just, I think, um, among the most successful teams throughout the league. I don't think I don't think clubs build a five-man rotation anymore. I think they build a, you know, a seven-man or an eight-man rotation. And, and that's not to say that they're, you know, actually – uh, you know, have that many starters actively cycling all the time. But, you know, there's a difference between, uh, you know, a Jack Flaherty, uh, you know, a real like number one, number two type starter, you know, those guys you want to go every five days. But 
Um, I think what clubs have learned is those guys that are like your, your number four, or number five in your rotation, like you really don't need those guys, to, you know, <laughs> you, you don't need them to pitch as frequently as a Jack Flaherty. And right. so, um, you know, to have some more depth and guys you can cycle in either from the bullpen or, you know, with some guys who have options, maybe they're going up and down, guys are going the disabled list, et cetera. Um, it just, it tends to keep everybody fresh and it just seems like you get, um, you, you know, you get better results. And I think we really saw the Cardinals doing that at the end of last year, you know, when they, you know, they added those, uh, you know, eight or nine 40 uh, year old left-handers that they added <laughs> at the end of the season. Yeah. And, and they did the, the thing where, you know, Wainwright pitched every five days. And yeah. apparently we didn't realize it at the time, but John, until very late that John Lester was on the same type of thing. And then they just kind of filled around those guys with Flaherty being hurt and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that kind of feels the same, like they're going to do that again this year because, you know, they're going to have, it doesn't sound like the schedule is going to be that as wonky as we thought it might be. Um, mm-hmm. They are going to have to, you know, have some double headers. Um, they're going to have a little bit of here and there. Um, and they're going to have to cram these games into a little bit shorter span of time. So they're going to need arms, especially early on when these, because yeah. I mean, what are pitchers going to get in spring training? I mean, maybe 10 innings, if that, like a starter. Yeah, you know, and that to me, that's going to be really interesting because yes, they're not going to get nearly as much um, kind of as many of those sort of spring training game on the field um, innings. But I, you know, these guys, um, their like private workouts they do now are of such high quality that I almost wonder if it's even going to, you know what I mean? If it's going to make that much of a difference. Um, And and I I even saw some quotes today about a couple of the guys that they, uh, I don't remember who from the organization was saying this, but they basically said, you know, yeah, these guys are, you know, really ready to go just from the work they've been doing on their own. And I think, I think you see that more across the board, you know? Um, I mean, that's one thing too, I think we're going to see from this. And I don't expect that spring training is really going to change or go away because there's this whole economy around it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's very much a thing and it's, which is great. And spring training is fun and it's great for Florida and Arizona and everything. But, you know, I just, I think the idea that we need two months of games for these guys to get in shape is just not reflective of the kind of, you know, year round, um, you know, you know, uh, scientifically, uh, you know, dialed in fitness perfection that these guys, uh, you know, have going into every year. Yeah. We're a long way from the guys that had to work another job in the off season and came in with 40 extra pounds and had to try to work it off. Um, or in the case of Babe Ruth didn't bother. Um, but right. you know, <laughs> added, added another five. Well, no, apparently, apparently he'd roll into hot springs even fatter and he'd have to, yeah. he had to get down, you know, it was, it was apparently worse before he, you know, he'd shed, you know, 10, 20 pounds, uh, heading into the season. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, they're definitely, I think the only, I guess really the only thing is, you know, seeing live pitching, I guess is something that that probably is the, you know, yes. or seeing live hitters, if depending on how you look at it. Yep. And you know, we have seen, you know, guys on rehab assignments, they get what, two games and then they come up to the big leagues, whether they should or right. not, different story, but, um, right. you know, get 15 games. It feels like you're probably, you know, the only thing you're not going to be able to do is evaluate cl- talent, you know, upcoming talent, you know, your yes. starters are going to get their reps and that's about it. And that, that loses a little bit of something. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that will be interesting. And especially, you know, I think the the Nolan Gormans and the Juan Yepezes are the guys that you you immediately think of who, you know, these are potentially guys who, you know, would have seen quite a few at bats over the course of a spring training. And, you know, and we've all seen those guys who, um, you know, perform so well in spring, they kind of work their way into the, you know, onto the roster or into a more prominent role than you thought. And so, yeah, I agree. They're not going to be able to do that in the same, um, you know, on the field in these games in quite the same way. But, you know, I mean, there's still, I think they're still going to be getting plenty of reps and there'll be, you know, a lot of, you know, backfield and inner squad games and things like that. And so, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. You know, in the, in the past, you know, they might carry, like, I want to say it was, well, I guess it was Dylan Carlson maybe two years ago that they, they carried him all the way through spring training before they sent him to the minors. Um, yep. I just this year I don't think you, if 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 there's a guy like Yepes 
that makes it through the first, you know, week of games, you probably keep an eye on him because I think that, that you know, that they really want to, they might actually do something with him. I don't think somebody just sticks around for the experience this year, maybe like they would have in the past. Yeah, that could be. You're right. Well, and, and uh, Gorman last year, as I recall, Gorman was with the big club for pretty much the duration of, mm-hmm. of spring training. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think that they very much expect Yepes to be on the major league to, to break camp with the major league team. And I, I, I think they're they're hopeful, if not maybe quite expecting uh, Gorman to do so as well. So I think I think those guys are going to get a ton of opportunities. And, um, you know, if they perform even kind of adequately, my guess would be I think Yepes is, is, is really pretty much on the, the, mm-hmm. the roster at the start of the season. Um, and, and, and Gorman, I think, has a pretty strong shot of it. That's just my read on what I, I feel like their intentions are. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with that, especially Yepes. Um, yeah, I, you know, of course, I haven't sat down and tried to figure out exactly how that roster works. Um, you know, who's got to be there, who, and all that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I could see that. But, uh, and it is, I think it's an interest. It's something that we talk about because we obviously want young guys like Yepes and Gorman to have opportunities at the big league level, especially if they're ready. But how comfortable are you turning over this new DH position to a guy that's making his major league debut? Is it, do we need to guarantee that there's some production coming out there or is it worth taking a shot and seeing what he gives you? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. And um, I think, I I think the the DH position gives them a lot of opportunity. Um, Mm -hmm. I I certainly think it gives opportunity for a guy like Yepes to be in the lineup. Um, And, you know, and he particularly, you know, as mostly a corner infield guy, I mean, he's not really going to, you know, they, as as I recall, they have a couple pretty good corner infielders. um, I don't, I don't remember, but yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) So, you know, so, so that gives him a chance, uh, you know, to be in there. I, I fully expect the Cardinals to, use that DH position as well, just to kind of rotate around some, a little bit of rest for those other guys, you know? So mm-hmm. I think you'll see Goldie in there. I think you'll see Arenado in there, you know, uh, O'Neill, you, you know, you'll see some of those guys occasionally, I think in that DH spot, just to give them kind of a half day off, but keep their bat in the lineup. Um, so I think Pez will, will get a lot of, of opportunities there. And if Gorman's, you know, up with the club as well, um, you know, I'm sure they'll want him to, you know, play a, a good amount of second base because, you know, they want him to be an everyday player out there on the field eventually. But, you know, um, with Edmund uh, and, and other options as well, uh, you know, Gorman's a guy that could kind of fit into that DH role um, as well. Uh, that said, I do, um, you know, I, I feel like they, they, they probably ought to, and I wouldn't be surprised if they added uh, – a little bit of a, a hitter, um, not the kind of Kyle Schwarber um, type that I know Benjamin Hodgman just wrote a piece on um, tonight as well. I don't see them shooting for anything quite that high, but I could mm-hmm. see somebody who's a little bit of a, you know, a major league veteran um, who, who could be in there just so they've got, and, and left-handed is the other thing, because that's the real issue is they're, they're just so heavily right-handed. But I could see a, a you know a left-handed hitter, honestly, almost the hitting version of what they did last year with like you know Lester and Hap, right? You know, right. <laughs> bring in somebody with some track record. Um, you know, th- then you've got that person there, and so you know if Yepes and Gorman, um, you know, if they give them an opportunity, but it just doesn't click. And we all know that even you know guys that go on to be really great major leaguers, you know, oftentimes their their very first exposure. Uh, is not great. So I think just to have a little bit of backup to add a hitter like that would make a lot of sense. And so um, it's it's certainly a move I could see the Cardinals making. You mean you know, kind of like Mark Ellis backing up Colton Wong? Except a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Ben Ben made that exact comparison on our show as well. Yeah, I, I promise. I was not stealing. I did not see it. No, no, no. It's but it, it's right there. You know, it, it is. It's exactly uh, the example. Uh, with hopefully sure. that Ollie Marmol is not necessarily going to, you know, immediately put the veteran out there. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I don't believe he's a, a maniac like Mike Matheny was. So I hope, <laughs> I, I'm hopeful that won't be the case. We, 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 we shall see, but yes, I do believe you're probably right. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, 
it, it's always interesting to see. And, and it really depends on, you know, what the Cardinals think of their, you know, window as well. I, I feel like the Cardinals don't think this is a must win year. I mean, they want to win. I'm, I don't get me wrong, but I think they feel like they've got the pieces in place to be a contender for three or four years, at least um, with the young guys coming up and with the quality that's on there. So, you know, if they needed to win this year, you know, maybe you do go for a Schwarber. Um, although, you know, the Schwarber problem is he might help you this year, but if you want that DH spot, you're going to have to sign him for three or four years and that's going to clog yeah. that spot up. And I don't think you're right. I don't think they want to do that. I, yeah, I really, I just, I don't see that being a move that they, that they do. And, and um, exactly for the reason you said, yeah, you, you, you sign him up for a number of years. You, he's the case, you know, if you sign him, it's basically like you're signing a, you know, Nelson Cruz or a David Ortiz back in the day, you know, you're signing Ooh. kind of a, a DH only guy. And, um, you know, just team, most teams don't do that anymore. Most teams kind of use the DH more, you know, like I talked about, uh, as you, you know, it's kind of, uh, you rotate a few guys through there. You use it to get people rest. You don't carry just that one, you know, designated hitter, you know, kind of guy. So I don't really see him doing that either. I'll be honest. I'm not a little skeptic on Schwarber as well. I mean, he had a great season last year. I mean, no question. Like just, you know, incredible. But you know, his three years before that were, uh, you know, they weren't they weren't nearly as spectacular. Um, and and so, you know, that's that gives me a little bit of concern. I think he's 29, so he's not. You know, he's not super, he's not old by any means, but, you know, he's not young either. And, you know, guys like that, just kind of, you know, bat only guys like that, you don't really expect them to age especially well. So, I mean, I don't really want any part of a, you know, four-year commitment to Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely fair. Um, and let's, and, and Daniel, let's be real here. He still has the stench of the Cubs on him. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> and it would be different if he wasn't part of a Cubs team that didn't, you know, spend their time beating up on the Cardinals. I mean, right. it didn't right. have a postseason moment against the Cardinals. We don't want any of that business in here. I mean, come no. on now. No, it's, no. It's we, like we, David Freeze going to play for the Cubs. I mean, is that going to happen? No. I mean, or Jim Edmonds going to play for the Cubs. It's just not yeah, a thing that would I mean, ever that happen. Doesn't happen. No. I mean, <laughs> you, that that never happened. I don't know. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> how Edmonds moved around the Central, never went to Chicago. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it would. I know. That once you put on the Cardinal uniform, it doesn't really matter who you were. That most people are going to, you know, kind of forget all that. But I think it would be a little bit tough for some people to you kind of hold your nose for at least for a, a month or two until you got used to the guy being in a, in a Cardinal Red. Yeah, that's true. Although, I mean, uh, you know, once once John Lester was able to pitch effectively for the Cardinals last year, I was I was OK with him. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Here. So, you know, I, I think we're. I think we can be pretty pretty forgiving if a guy helps us out, but uh, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Winning does tend to make people very happy about anybody. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so what else do the Cardinals do between now and April sixth or seventh or whatever the case may be? Yeah. I mean, well, do you, do you? I mean, we're talking about designated hitters. Do you want to talk about the Albert Pujols situation? Well, I think we should. I think <laughs> we. I mean, I think as a Cardinals podcast that we are actually contractually obligated to. I'm so, pretty sure. I'm pretty um, sure. So, what do you think about the Albert Pujols situation? Well, and, and part of the reason I brought it up is because I think the what we were just talking about about kind of what their need is there. Um, I think to me that illustrates a reason that the Cardinals could um, potentially um, bring Albert back, but I think there's problems with it. Um, so again, I, I think that having that, as I've said a moment ago, that you know veteran professional hitter that's in there that can fill that DH spot, um, you know, in the event, especially, excuse me, I got sneeze. Excuse me. Um, you know, in the event that, uh, you know, Yepes and Gorman aren't, aren't quite ready to, you know, step in there and, and uh, you know, fill it all the time. You know, having that kind of guy, I think, could be really valuable. And Albert Pujols definitely checks that box, that kind of veteran, you know, professional hitter. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, that's what he was doing in L.A. last year and was you know, pretty successful there. 
Um, but the, there's just, there's a couple problems. Uh, and, you know, a, a big one is that he's, you know, they're, they're, oh, they're so heavily right-handed that bringing him in just doesn't really help um, that right-handed situation. And particularly if Yepes is kind of maybe the other primary DH, you know, they're both right-handed. So you don't get any kind of platoon advantage happening right there. And of course, in L.A., it was exactly the opposite. L.A. needed a right-handed hitter. Mm-hmm. And so they brought him in to say, hey, look, you're only going to, you know, <laughs> you're only going to uh, play against against left-handers and, you know, took advantage of that. The Cardinals don't really have that need. But the other issue, I think, is that um, in the event that Yepes and Gorman really take off, you you want them to have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so ideally, you want that kind of veteran guy who you can – let just sort of diminish on the bench or possibly even release. Um, and that is not Albert Pujols. <laughs> so, um, you know, or, to a degree, I mean, you certainly couldn't release him. And then right. the question becomes, what kind of role would he be willing to accept? And if, you know, being that far, you know, being kind of more of a, uh, an emergency situation, if our young guys who we think are probably better than you <laughs> aren't quite ready, you know, is that going to be enough uh, of a role, you know, for him even, um, you know, he presumably wants to get to the 700 home runs and, um, you know, some other milestones. So, so I think it's, I think it's a tough fit for the Cardinals and I don't think it's, I don't think it's incredibly likely. Uh, if it happens, I will love it. It will be delightful. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I, I think you're, I mean, I, yeah, you're right on a lot of that. I think it, 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 it always has depended on what, Albert wants his role to be. I mean, if Albert is chasing 700, which I know he is at some point, but if that's his main priority, then yeah, he's going to have to probably do that somewhere else because there's no way he's going to get enough at-bats in St. Louis to do that. But if he's pretty much determined that this is his last year and would like to go out, you know, kind of full circle type of thing and is willing to, you know, be almost a a player coach, because I think, you know, we've heard, you know, a lot about his ability to, help out younger players yeah. and things like that. Um, and if he's willing to, you know, maybe get a start every 10 days and, you know, be a, <laughs> not that you necessarily need pinch hitters anymore as much um, with this whole DH thing, but, um, yeah. you know, occasional off the bench. And if he's just, you know, if he's just really, <laughs> if he just kind of wants to ease into retirement, yeah, you know, you know what I have a problem with a little bit, and I've talked about this some, so it's me again being grumpy. Um, is that you know what the old saying is? How can you not be romantic about baseball? So many people have gotten to where they're not romantic about baseball, and it's right. You know, can it can it you know is there a guy that can give us you know point two more win or that can help yeah. us win more? And I'm like, yeah. I want to win. Don't get me right. wrong, but I also the pull of Wainwright, Molina, and Pujols in their final game in Bush Stadium this yeah. year—that's yeah, that's really really hard to resist. Yeah. Oh, I, I, absolutely. It'd be amazing. I think that was I think that was well said, and I think we Cardinal fans are probably p- particularly susceptible to that because you know in the Dewitt era, it's been all about you know kind of. Um, you know, cold calculation and, you know, maximizing return on investment. And, you know, and, and there's been a lot of success that's come as a result of that. But, but yeah, I think, um, you know, just as an organization, we know that they're not a particularly um, nostalgic organization at this point. So, but yeah, I'm with Matt you. Matt Carpenter you know, might I, disagree. What's that? Matt Carpenter might disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. the extension and, and, and there was, I think there is, something that the front office, maybe because they lost out on Pujols, they do have a softness for a, you know, lifetime Cardinal type of thing, which is, you know, Molina and Wainwright and Carpenter until there was just really nothing else you could do with Carpenter. Um, I think there is some weakness there that pulls them a little bit, maybe to occasionally make not as wise moves, but that's a rare situation too. There's not too many of those kind of guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess, you know, we'll see. And yeah. I mean, there's a lot of sort of chatter about Pujols right now. And I mean, you assume that's, 
you know, I would assume that's his, you know, agents and stuff kind of putting that out there to, you know, make it sound as if things are going on. And of course, that's always, you know, that, that always kind of colors our thoughts on what they're doing. But of course, every team is checking in on every player. And, you know, right. so like it's some of these things are when it's like, oh, these three teams are in the mix. It's, uh, you know, you, you can't always put a lot of stock in that. But, right. um, you know, well, I mean, we'll see if they, you know, if the Cardinals do something with them, it will. Um, I mean, like I said, I, I think there's um, I don't know. I think he has a role on this team. I don't think he's the best fit for the that mm-hmm. role that's there but uh if i had the opportunity to see uh he and wainwright and uh, molina finish out and have a final season in st louis together I, i'm gonna love that yeah. i will also say there are some a couple of things floating around facebook or twitter tonight um a picture of him if if it's a i mean and it's a real picture but and assuming it's not touched up or anything because it's him and edward edward encarnacion um he looks a lot thinner than the Pujols that we saw the last couple of years. Um, whether that means he's in good shape. I mean, it is spring training and everybody's in the best shape of their life, even at 42 yeah. year olds. But, um, you know, I mean, it's something, I mean, it, but that also probably speaks to his desire to, to chase 700 in which case may push him out of the Cardinals uh, range because there's no way they're going to promise him that. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like he's the last several years, every year he's come into spring training looking really great, you know? And I mean, my God, he has to, I mean, he's at least 43. Right. And so, um, you know, to, to, to keep himself uh, out there, I mean, you know, he's, he's got to do it, but you you know, it's obvious he's, I I don't think anybody should be expecting that he's going to, you know, return to uh, the, you know, when he was in his peak. (laughs) So, um, and I wonder how much, I mean, that's the, that's the downside, right. Of, the, of any kind of signing to him is he's not the Albert Pujols that left. And, right. you know, if he, even, even in limited time is hitting 180 in that last season, how many people can handle that? Or can the team, you know, again, like you said, he's not a guy you can just flat out cut in St. Louis, obviously Los Angeles had no problem with that or the angels. Yeah. Do. But well, we you watched know. Matt Carpenter hit 180 all of last season, sure. and Matt Carpenter is, I think, also a great Cardinal and, and a, you know, a guy we're going to remember for a long time, but, you know, he ain't no Albert Pujols. No, that's that's true. And the Cardinals made it to the playoffs with yes. Matt Carpenter hitting 180. Yes. Uh, so there is that. Um, so what, besides, assuming no Pujols, yeah. is there anything else they do? I mean, again, you talk about that veteran bat that they should be looking for, but... I mean, I haven't heard, and I don't even know who that might be, honestly. I mean, I'm not saying, I just don't know. I mean, yeah, I've had a hard time kind of putting a name to that as well. And I I guess I don't really, I don't see anybody that's in the free agent world that jumps out to me as a a likely fit there. Um, There's always the possibility of a a trade, you know, kind of opens up the, you know, which feels like it would be maybe a more Cardinals move for that kind of thing anyway. So, you know, that's a possibility as well. I could see something like that coming together. Um, you know, as Ben made a, a good point on our show yesterday, I think, which is that, um, you know, there, there are so many uh, guys are still out there to be signed. Um, and there's going to be somebody who just kind of falls through the cracks. And I and Ben Ben made this point, but I'm just seconding it. I would also not be surprised to see them be opportunistic if, you know, somebody who is not really on their radar or priority right now, but just somebody kind of doesn't get signed and stays out there and is willing to take a number that's much lower than they thought they would. You know, we could see kind of a surprise there as well. But similarly, like, I can't tell you who that would be. (laughs) You know, we'll just kind of have to see, you know, who it might be. But um, it certainly seems like, I mean, that happens most years anyway. And I would think with this truncated month of signings and frenzy, it's, it's even more likely to happen this year. Yeah, I would think so. Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, if you want the, the kind of the idea that's floating around, uh, around Trevor's story, right. That he might want to take a one year deal because slow year and trying to figure out, you know, maybe he doesn't want to try to make a long-term commitment with this little oh, bit of time. Yeah. You know, that's, that's where the Cardinals would get involved for some people. I, I still don't think that's going to happen. And I think he'll sign some sort of long-term deal somewhere, but you could see that kind of thing, right? A guy that's like, yeah. you know, look, I don't want to try to, you know, set myself up for the next five, six years in a place that I might not like, 
let me take a one year deal and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And absolutely. I, I just, I am, uh, I'm on record as kind of a Trevor story <laughs> disliker. <laughs> and it's, it's just that I guess to me, it's just more that, you know, his, you know, his, his offensive numbers have been declining for, I think five straight seasons and mm-hmm. there's serious questions about his defense and his throwing arm. And I, I just, I, I, I just have a hard time understanding like what's the appeal there, you know? Right. Um, but, but like you said, if he falls through the cracks, if he's willing to take a one year deal, well, maybe, you know, maybe they do that, mm-hmm. but you know, for folks who thought that, you know, the Cardinals might pursue him as a, you know, multi-year guy with a, you know, a contract in the kind of, you know, w- you know, range that, you know, Correa and, and uh, Seager and some of these guys are, you know, have gotten or, or will get, you know, I just thought, oh my gosh, there's no way that will happen or should happen. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals, the Cardinals have got their big contracts and yes. even if they could, even if they could take on another one, they're, they're not going to. Yes. Um, and that, you know, that does tend to lock them into some situations that may or may not be, be good. You talk well, about, let's not forget, you know, you know, Bill DeWitt is, you know, by most accounts, the most powerful owner, um, you know, really drove this lockout, um, you know, that shut the game down specifically. So owners would not have to spend more money. So um, the thing that I am, not most expecting him to do right now out of the gates is spend money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, not, not likely. No. And I can't, it is hard to imagine. Of course, we don't know what situations are like. And maybe, you know, if, if they get a, a Jack Flaherty extension or something like that now, but with Goldschmidt and Arnado both on the books, it's hard to imagine that they would put another significant free agent. I mean, they, they can improve, but it's hard to imagine that they're going to get, you know, another top tier free agent or contract in there at all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think those are kind of the the big ones for now. And until they show a willingness to um, increase their payroll significantly, which, you know, they if, if, if Bill DeWitt wanted to, he could and, right. and he should. But, you know, he doesn't want to. And, and he and the other owners, you know, have you know, pushed the rules of the game to be such that they don't have to because there's uh, restrictions on the guys th- that might super outspend them and there's more playoff teams anyway. So, you know, why go out and add even more when, you know, you, it's going to be even easier to get that, you know, second or third wild card. Where do you think just, and this isn't Cardinal related because we know that he's not coming here, but you know, where do you think Carlos Correa, fits in this, this, this off season with the shortened time and a couple of people that have already signed, you know, the Rangers out of the picture. Um, it doesn't sound like he's going back to Houston. Where does he wind up? Is he going to kind of fall into some sort of limbo? Yeah. You know, I mean, he, I don't think so because I think he's going to sign a, he, he'll, he'll sign a big contract somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know uh, the reporting that I've seen, he, you know, he had turned down, uh, a pretty significant number from the Tigers, you know, it was a little less than 300 million. I think I want to say it was like 275 or something I saw. Um, I forget the number of years, Uh, but you know, it would have been somewhat less than what Corey Seager got. And so my understanding is, you know, he's trying to get more than Corey Seager, which makes sense to me. I think he could potentially justify that. But um, so I, I think he'll find, I mean, even if he can't quite find that number he's looking for, you know, I think he would find something comparable at least to what that previous Tigers offer had been. Um, but as, as far as where he goes, I, I just – I don't follow um, other teams quite as closely as I follow the Cardinals, you know what I mean? So I'm just mm-hmm. not really sure. Um, and my default on something like this always would have used to be, the, you know, the Yankees. But, um, you know, because they, they would always seem to be the team right. where when you had this big, you know, this guy who was supposed to get a big contract and he kind of seemed to be dangling out there and it's like, oh, Jesus, they may get assigned this guy. Yeah, at the 11th hour, the Yankees will come in and give him, you know, a, a record shattering deal. The Yankees are probably better off for not, but I think baseball is a little bit more, more, less colorful when, when, you know, at least you don't have those, that one. And maybe Steve Cohen's going to be that guy now. Um, that guy yeah. that's just going to you know, swoop in and, and throw some money at people. And they're like, what is this guy doing? And trying to build a team. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it definitely at least gives a focus to the game that it doesn't really have right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
you know, we kind of, you know, like Bill DeWitt said, they pretty much have their team settled. We kind of knew that already anyway. What do, what do you think right now when you look at this, what we have on the Cardinals roster right now, assuming, you know, maybe something small coming here and there, but pretty much this is what it is. Is it enough? Um, you know, um, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good team. You know, um, I, they would be my favorites in the division. Um, I think the, the Brewers are right there and somebody who felt strongly that the Brewers were a better team. Um, you know, the, I mean, the Brewers, uh, you know, top five starting pitchers are definitely better. No question right. about that. Um, the Brewers lineup, I believe in less. Um, and I think the Brewers just generally have less depth and less kind of willingness and facility to um, make moves uh, during this, you know, to, to kind of bolster the team um, as the season goes. Although that's, that's less, that's less true now. So, um, you know, so, uh, so I would, you know, that's kind of how I feel about the Cardinals. And, and frankly, that sounds to me like exactly the point where Bill DeWitt stands pat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, he, <laughs> when he's like, yeah, you know, it, you know, the best, you know, division winner or kind of in the race, like, that that's all he you know that's all he's going for um he you know rarely do we see them then come in with that gigantic over the top move that you know pushes them up to a you know win projection in the in the 90s um it's you know it's just not the way they typically do business um i think they're i think they're gonna generally be pretty good i'm really the lineup i think is really solid and you know just the the defend the, the defense you know looks like it will just continue to be amazing you know the the pitching um I think on paper it's on paper it's not great, but I, I I just think that they've continued to, you know, at the end of last year it really seemed like it cl- it clicked in a way and they, they identified a certain type of pitcher and by a certain type of pitcher I mean uh, old left-handers um, who don't throw very hard but get a lot of ground balls and don't walk anybody and uh, you know and, and just and a few other maybe kind of specific kind of undervalued pitcher profiles. I think they've identified some types of pitchers that uh, perform well, particularly in front of their defense and in their home stadium. And so, you know, I think that's what they're, I think that's what they're rolling out with again this year. You know, um, that'd be my biggest concern probably is on the pitching side and especially the starting pitching side. But, um, but I think they've given themselves a lot of options there as well. Um, you know, or at least some options. And so, um, so yeah, I'd say I'm generally, you know, pretty optimistic. What, what are you feeling? Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, you're right with Milwaukee and it depends, you know, there's a lot of talk about them maybe getting Nelson Cruz as a DH that might, you know, if they upgrade their offense that makes them, you know, that may make this a one, two team battle for sure. And as much as the Cubs dismantled last year, I mean, they're still, they're still, I haven't quite figured out what they're doing over there, which is probably par for the course for Chicago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you hear, you hear, I mean, there was talk about them potentially being um, interested in Correa, but then of course mm-hmm. they signed, you know, Andrelton Simmons, which is much more in line with the kind of like uh, soft rebuild that it's really looked like they're, they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still a little bit surprised, you know, because they signed what they signed Jan Gomes. Right. And then, yeah, they still got Contreras. I'm a little bit surprised that they haven't tried to move him. So maybe, I, you know, I don't. Of course, with the DH, maybe that's part of their plan too. Um, well, I think they, I, I, I think they might be trying to sign Contreras to an extension. And if he doesn't sign an extension, they they might look to trade him. That's quite possible too. Um, but it still feels like, you know, again, now that it feels like Korea's not going there, or Korea's not going there. Um, that they're going to be lacking. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it really doesn't, you know, and then there's the Reds and the Pirates, and they're the Reds and the Pirates. Yeah, exactly. um, so it's, I mean, you're not, it's not to the point where they can win the division by default because of the Brewers, but it's getting real close, right? And, I mean, if the Brewers have yeah. any kind of injury issues with their pitchers or, or something of that nature, you know, the Cardinals may just, you know, walk to a title. But on the flip side... You're right. You've got old Adam Wainwright. You've got Dakota Hudson, who's yeah. never 
he still seems to. I don't know how Dakota Hudson does it. I just I don't. Yeah, and that, that I feel like <laughs> I don't, really. to him. I don't um, know if he does it. So. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's, yeah. And you know he hasn't had to do it very often since he's been hurt a lot. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think there are there are worries for the Cardinals, but if everything and not everything, but the majority of things go right, they are going to be in the hunt you know, at least all the way through. And that's really kind of what you hope for. I mean, to some degree, I mean, you'd like them to be a little bit more, you know, established and sure of getting into October. Although with 12 teams, maybe we feel a little bit better about their chances now, but um, yeah, I I like, I like what they've got to do. I don't know what I would, you know, you'd like to see a little bit better at shortstop, but you know, maybe, maybe Paul DeYoung does still have something. I, I, not 100% confident of that, but I'm very welcome to be wrong on that. Um, and if that's the case, except yeah. for Molina's bat, what are you going to do to fix that offense? So, you know, you kind of like what you got there. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And, um, yeah, shortstop will be will be interesting. Um, I don't know. I think, I, I, I think DeYoung could be a little better than he was last year. Um, I know Kyle Reese has talked about, you know, wondered if, if they might give Edmonds some time at shortstop and, mm-hmm. and has said that, you know, he, he performed pretty well there in the minors. It's just interesting. He hasn't really played there at all in the majors. Um, but uh, I can certainly see, you know, Ed, Edmund, whose who's bat is pretty underwhelming and kind of holds down his value. You know, if he could move to a, a more uh, defensively, valuable position and perform well there, you know, that could really kind of change his, his profile as well. So, you know, they have some, they have some options there at shortstop. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, if Edmund's going to play shortstop though, you pretty much really need Gorman to be playing second base, right? Just to, to counteract the bat side of things. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing is if, if, you know, you know, Gorman is basically make made himself into a second baseman. And mm-hmm. so I think that, uh, I, th- I I anticipate that they're going to try to transition Edmund into more of a of a super sub type player, and honestly, I think that's where he's always kind of profiled better. I think he right. was, you know, Mike Schilt was in love with him, and Mike Schilt batted him first every day. He's not that kind of player. He shouldn't be that kind of player, uh, you know. But but uh, you know, when I say that, and it always it, I feel like it sounds like I'm really you know being nasty. He's he's still a very good player. And uh, a, a super sub player that, you know, can play like he does is, is incredibly valuable. And so um, that's where I think they, they would almost like to see things land this year is, you know, Gorman getting quite a bit of the second base time and, and Edmund's still playing a lot. But again, in that more of that kind of super sub world. They, I agree. I'd like them to see that. And I'd like to think they're going to do that, but, it feels like the Cardinals have, have always kept talking about having a super sub and never actually done it. I mean, Jed Jerko was supposed to be that guy and he wound up, you know, he did a little bit, but he wound up starting a lot. Um, and now uh, Edmund has been the same, same way. So yeah. hopefully maybe with the, with Marmol and stuff, they can kind of figure out how to use that super sub in a more. Well, part, and, but you know, the reason they don't, the reason they never have that super sub is because, you know, Bill DeWitt is cheap and they, he, he never has any depth. Um, Edmund should have been a super sub because they should have picked up Colton Wong's option. You know, that's one of the worst decisions that this organization has made in the last, you know, several years. And, um, but, but they made that decision because they thought, well, sure. Edmund could be a super sub, but I think he's actually good enough that he can be our second baseman. And, you know, and, and, and that's just not, um, you know, I, I hate to see him do, do it that way because obviously, you know, he, he's not as good as Colton Wong. He wasn't as good as Colton Wong. And so, you know, even though Edmund did, did okay in that position, you know, it wasn't like a black hole or anything. Um, the team would have been so much better if they had Colton Wong there. And, and Tommy Edmund was, you know, f- you know, filling in and yeah, sometime at second, sometime at short, you know, sometime at third. Um, I'm still not <laughs> him in the outfield doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. No. So, um, but you know, Mike Schill had to have him in the lineup every single day. So he found a reason to do that too. So, you know, anyway, um, 
yeah, that's kind of why they haven't had that super sub. But yeah, who knows? Maybe this will be the year, Daniel. Maybe, maybe so. I'd like to think that they've, you know, it's really nice to have some quality guys that don't have to play every day. Um, you know, and and I feel like they've started to develop that. I mean, in the outfield, especially, you know, we saw Newt Barr play pretty well. He's the kind of guy that you don't necessarily want to see out there every day, especially not with O'Neill and, and the way Bader was playing. And then of course Carlson, but if he's out there, I don't think we, you know, we complain too much, you know, cause he was, he was passable. Um, you know, unlike some other options with like Matt Carpenter. <coughs> so, you know, I, if they can, you know, continue to raise the floor. And I know y'all have talked about that somewhat too. If they try to have a high floor, if maybe yeah. not a high ceiling, you know, if they can continue to raise the floor at least somewhat, then, you know, hopefully that pans out and, and keeps them from having too many, uh, you know, sinkholes that they step into because, I think if you'd have talked to us last year and we said that, you know, Jack Flaherty was going to miss as much time as he did um, if we were doing it this time last year, we would have really thought the Cardinals were going to have trouble. Um, right. They were able to work their way through it. And um, but we, we we also wouldn't have believed that Adam Wainwright could have the season that he had last absolutely. year. Absolutely. And, and, and that's, that's one concern about this year, too, is, you know, boy, it'd be amazing if he could do that again. But at his age and with his health history mm-hmm. – uh, we should not count on that. No, um, but I, I hope know, it happens. But we, you know, yeah. <laughs> like we shouldn't count on it. No, and I do think that you know he's not going to be what was he like ninth in the Cy Young Lloyd voting or whatever he was last year. Yeah. Um, but if they're smart, and that's going to be very interesting to see, right? I mean, how they manage if the differences are the pitching staff. But if they're if they're smart, if they let him go. You know, it may be a little bit quicker hook or, you know, at least, you know, not letting him go seven or eight innings or anything like that. You know, really trying to limit his his innings and, and getting good innings out of him. You know, I'm again, not not Cy Young quality, but he may be still very well be your second starter, third starter, yeah. you know, just by results and not just by name, which yeah. he definitely is by name. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well, and honestly, we, we just hit on the two guys that I'm really interested to see how more Mole uses because I think he could use them differently than Schilt. And, and you know, and overall, I didn't think Schilt was a you know a terrible manager, you know, or anything, but um, he 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 was just in love with Tommy Edmund for to a degree that that really baffled me, and um, you know, and, and he also believed that Adam Wainwright was magic. <laughs> he would leave him, you know, he would just leave him out there. You know, I mean that that uh, wild card game. You know, I think is yeah. still kind of fresh in my mind. But but we saw that throughout the season too, and you know, kind of less important things too. And just you know, Wainwright was a guy that he's you know he he just seemed to believe that okay, yeah, no, I'm going to keep him out there when really he just ought to have been going to the bullpen. And um, so it'll be interesting to see. I kind of expect Marmol will be a little more. Uh, we'll handle those situations differently. And you know, for a while there, it was especially early in the year, it was it was a little bit dangerous to go to the bullpen too. So um, I hope that this year, if nothing else, there will not be quite as many free passes. Um, I mean, I know that the you know, worst pitcher in the world, John Gant is now not on the Cardinals team. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I do not know what Ben is going to do about that, but, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, if you know that, that, that was, that was like historically bad, right? I yeah. mean, you know, they walked more people with the bases loaded than any other team did. So you cut back yeah, on no, that. And, and, and that's absolutely true. And she'll, especially at the beginning of last year, he had, there there was uh, a, a few months of the season there where that bullpen was just not good. And, mm-hmm. you know, he had, um, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, Gallegos and um, Hennessy's uh, 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 Cabrera and, you know, Reyes, while Reyes was, results were good, although right. his underlying stuff, I think, was always problematic. But, you know, there was quite a while there where, you know, those are the only three guys and everything else was, you know, a dumpster fire. And so, um, but. Speaking of, what about Alex Reyes? What about, and, and Jordan Hicks as well? I mean, Mo comes out this week and kind of says what we all know. There's not enough time for them to stretch out um, to be a starter, which you know, I don't know that either one of them needed to be a starter, but Akin kind of like that 
for Hagen a bit, you know, try to get them to at least be, you know, have be up in their innings. Um, how do you use those guys this year? Do you, do you feel good about using those guys in? Um, I don't. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty pessimistic on, on both of them. Um, you know, which is, which is a shame because they're both such exciting pitchers and guys who had, you know, were, you know, so promising. Um, you know, Reyes, I'm just really out on, on Reyes. Just, um, he, the, his control is just so poor. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, to the point that I just don't really believe he could be an effective major league pitcher. Um, and, you know, I think you've seen that consistently throughout his career. And, um, you know, so so that's a big problem. And to me, the, the starter thing with him just didn't make any sense because that's even more of an issue in the rotation, you know. I mean, at least right. in the bullpen, you know, if he if he goes out there and he's just especially, um, you know, unable to, you know, find the zone, um, you know, you, you can make a change. And of course, it wasn't just that he was, you know, he was missing the zone. He was, you know, giving up a lot of home runs as well. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, he was kind of a, a mess, really. And so, um, I mean, gosh, of course, I hope he he unlocks something, but that tends to be a tough thing to turn around when that's the story with the pitcher. Um, you know, Hicks on the other hand was what was, you know, much more effective um, for, you know, for a time there when he was younger, but he has been so beset by injuries at this point um, that I, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I, I would love to see him come back and flourish, but I'm, I'm, I'm just only pessimistic because the injuries have really piled up. Um, now I have to say with Hicks, I'm at least a little more intrigued by the idea of Hicks as a starter because, you know, for all of his 105 mile an hour stuff, you know, he's the power, he's a, he, you know, he threw sinkers, um, got tons of ground balls and really didn't strike many people out. And so right. in a lot of ways I, I, I could see Jordan, you know, I, I could see Jordan Hicks profile working pretty well as a starting pitcher. And I know the club has even talked about the idea that, you know, given his diabetes, that um, they think potentially a, a starter, um, you know, role might work better for him just because it would be a little more consistent in terms of when he's pitching and when he's off and things like that. So um, I have some like ray of hope that maybe, you know, Jordan Hicks could come together as a starting pitcher for him. But to me, that feels like something where he maybe needs to, you know, spend a season in the minors to, you know, yeah. to kind of get on track that way and then come back. So I was never really expecting that, you know, he would be able to come into this spring training and perform in such a way that, you know, that suddenly he's your fourth or fifth starter. Yeah, I, I agree. I felt like if he was going to be a starter, he was going to have to spend it in, you know, Springfield or Memphis, um, really kind of learning that again. And you, and you, man, I mean, you really have to wonder, it seemed like a good idea at the time, right. To, to bring him up from single a, and he obviously, you know, did well in that one year, but you wonder if his career wouldn't have been better served if they just left him a starter and let him progress upward, um, you know, hindsight yeah. and all that. But yeah, yeah. it's easy. To, it's easy to start thinking, man, I got a little seduced by that and um, maybe they should have just left well enough alone. Yeah, you know who knows. It's a, I mean, you never know with these things. I mean, on the other hand, he you know he made it. You know he he got right. to the majors, and and you know he was a major league closer and a really effective one too. So, um, you know, a lot of guys you know never get there. So, right. um, you know, and he he's still young. It, I'm sure. Yeah, and he's still young. So you know, I think you know, hopefully there you know there can still be a second act, but um, it's definitely getting concerning with the, the injuries. Yeah, especially coming after what we, what we saw with with Alex Reyes coming up with all the injuries that he had and yeah. never quite panned out. You, you do worry about a repeat and, and hopefully like I said, there's still some time and hopefully that will, will get better. So, well, Ben, I, I appreciate you joining me tonight. I think we have covered all of the bases for the most part. Um, I know you have done a Cardinals off day today. I know there are about five off days in the spring. Are, are you going to try to do one every uh, spring off day as well? 
You know, I don't know that I don't think we're going to do spring off days exactly. Um, to be honest, you know, we just we kind of went on uh, hiatus here with the lockout, <laughs> so um, you know, we're just kind of circling back now. Um, our plan for the off season was always just to kind of keep it a little more, you know, periodic and stuff. So right. um, I have a feeling, you know, if there's a big move or something like that, um, you know, folks will probably hear from us, and I'm sure they'll probably hear from us at some point. Um, you know, here yet this month. And then, um, you know, when the season starts, we're kind of uh, like we did last year, probably, you know, have a season preview and then try to stick to that, uh, you know, new episode dropping on the off days. We, you know, the hope was just that that was a time where, you know, people were going to be looking for a little bit of, you know, Cardinals talk. And so hopefully we provide something regular then that's of, of interest to them. So we're going to, we're going to try to do the same thing this year. Well, hopefully so, because it's always enjoyable to listen to y'all go at it. Um, well, and, I, uh, I appreciate it. And, you know, frankly, we just, we don't have the stamina to do what, what you do and what you've done for years. And, you know, you, you were, you know, recording shows through this, um, you know, more so through this kind of lockout period and stuff than we were. So I, I commend you for <laughs> the time that, that you've put in. Cause this was a, this was a tough time to be talking about baseball. Yeah, it's uh, it was a time and I agree. And, and my statement is not what it used to be because, uh, you know, it got to, you know, when they signed that agreement, I was like, oh, now we got to start doing this on the regular and yeah. <laughs> writing posts on the regular and, you know, got to start getting all this stuff done. And it's like, mm. you know, those extra hours of sleep I was getting in the morning, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm going to miss those. Right. But, uh, I, I was like, I got to Google. I got to remember who's on the team. Like, yeah. who, who are the players? <laughs> yeah, that, that guy behind the plate. What was his name? Yeah. Uh, is Ozzy, Ozzy still on the team, right? Right. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think so. so. So, all right. Well, we look forward to, to more Cardinals off days. Thank you for joining me. Alan says he'll be back in the saddle pretty soon, but if not, uh, we'll probably be back next week with somebody else helping me out. But until then, for Ben, I'm Daniel. Good night.